today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Continue in the book of Romans tonight. The first chapter of the book of Romans, Paul deals with the Gentile world. In the second and third chapter of the book of Romans, he deals with the Jewish world. And uh, when it's all said and done, Paul reduces it down to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where he says, All have sinned. Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned. That's the entire human race, Jews and Gentiles alike, from Adam uh, right on up until now, every single human being has sinned. We all have a sin nature. We all have a proclivity to do that which is wrong. Now, if you don't believe that, you can take two little children uh, under the age of five and put them in a sandbox with a little toy truck and you watch them for a few minutes and they'll begin to fight over that toy truck. That is the sin nature at work in those little children. So we are all born with that sin nature. The existence of the sin nature within our lives, that alone is enough to disqualify us for heaven. Us merely just having that sin nature is enough to separate us from God for all eternity. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes those of us who are saved, those of us who are trying to live for God. We fall short, the Bible says, of God's glory. But in verse 24, the scripture says we're being justified. We're justified the moment of salvation. And we we define that word as cleared of all the charges. God declares us not guilty. It's justified, never sinned in the eyes of God. The moment I get saved, I'm justified, but I'm still in this flesh. I'm still in this old sinful world. And because of that, I fall short of the glory of God, so therefore I'm being justified. It's a continual, ongoing process that takes place within our hearts and lives. And we're justified, like I said, the moment of salvation, and we're being justified, and that's the exact 
um, wordage that's being used there in verse 24, being justified, because, like I said, we've got that sin nature there, and we fail the Lord from time to time. Uh, being justified deals with the sins of the present. Well, some people would say, well, Brother James, I ain't having any problems with sin. If you will, go to First John chapter 1 and verse 8. First John chapter 1 verse 8. John said, if we say that we have no sin, and he's talking to believers now. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, again, he's not talking about unbelievers out here in the world. He's talking to Christians now. He said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So anyone that comes up to you as a Christian and they say, well, I'm not having any problems with sin. I'm not having any problem with the devil. They're deceived. They're lying. The Word of God tells us that. So there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. Your salvation is perfect, but you're not perfect. As long as you're in this flesh, there's something wrong with you. Look at the person beside you and say there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Look straight at me right now. <laughs> there's something wrong with every single one of us in here. But if you will, there, First John 1, look back up there at verse 7, if you will. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. How do we walk? How do we live for God on a daily basis? We walk it out by faith. For the just, those who are justified, live by faith. That's how we live for God. That's how we walk in the light of the gospel every day. We do it by faith. And if we'll do that, it says we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with Christ. That speaks of relationship with Christ we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That has to do with sins of the present. As long as your faith is anchored in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross, it's almost like an invisible shower head that follows you around. You're covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that comforting? And God said in the Old Testament, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So that blood, thank God for the blood, washes and cleanses us from all sin. All right, go back, if you will, to Romans 3 and verse 4. Being justified freely by His grace. Salvation is a gift. It's supposed to be received as a gift. It's by His grace, freely by His grace. Now, most understand grace is unmerited favor, uh, meaning that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to merit or earn it. If we try to earn it, we're disqualified. 
When I give you a gift, you're to receive it. I don't expect anything in return. That's If I receive something for you, for giving you a gift, then it's not a gift. So it, you're, it disqualifies as being a gift if you try to earn it in any way. So we're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Sin is what gives Satan the legal right to hold man in bondage. Every single one of us are captives of Satan. But Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price to set us free from that slavery, to set us free from that bondage. He paid the ultimate price to redeem us from that. Bought us with his own precious blood, the scripture says, and we're never to be put up for sale ever again. And the Lord bought us with his precious blood. Verse 28, Romans 3, verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith, without the deeds of the law. Like I said, salvation is not by earning or doing or not doing certain things. Salvation is totally, absolutely, and completely by faith. That's it. Now, verse 33, Paul closed it out and said, Do we make void the law through faith? In other words, do we just do away with the law, the Old Testament, uh, simply because... Uh, salvation is strictly by faith. Do we just do away with it now? He said, God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. In other words, the entirety of the law and the Old Testament pointed to Christ and our justification by faith in Christ. So we need to establish how this is done, how this was pointed out in the Old Testament. We do it by reading and studying the Old Testament. Now, in chapter 4 of the book of Romans, Paul uses Abraham and David as examples. Now, I want you to catch this, if you will. Abraham represents every sinner that has ever come to God, for all have sinned. Let me say that again. Abraham represents every sinner that has ever come to God, for all have sinned. David represents every believer who has come short of the glory of God and had to go before the Lord and ask forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I've sinned against you, Lord. Please forgive me. Abraham represents every sinner that had to come to God. David represents every believer that failed the Lord in some way and had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. And Paul brings forth both of these individuals here in this chapter. Now tonight we're just going to look at three verses here in the fourth chapter of Romans dealing with Abraham. He said there in verse 1, Romans chapter 4, Verse 1, what shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? 
Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, in that first verse, I want you to notice that Paul called Abraham our father. In other words, it all started with Abraham. Dana, if you will, go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to look back in the very beginning, some things concerning Abraham. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that Abraham was a Syrian, ready to perish. Abraham was not Jewish. Such a thing did not exist. Abraham was a Gentile. Well, he was a Syrian, is what the Scripture says, a Syrian ready to perish. That's Deuteronomy 26 and verse 5. In the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, verse 3, the Bible says that they served other gods. Abraham was an idol worshiper. He made his living off of making idols to the moon god Ur. And he did pretty good at it. And we'll look at that here in just a few minutes. But somehow, in all of that, God spoke to Abraham. We don't know exactly how. Some people say that it was Shem, the son of Noah, that witnessed to Abraham. But we really don't have any record of that. Uh, in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we have no mention of Shem in there at all as his uh, testimony or faith in God or anything of that nature. So the thought of Shem having witnessed to Abraham, that's just mere speculation. We really don't know for, sh for sure. Could have been, could not have been. But somehow God spoke to Abraham, this idol worshiper, this Syrian that was ready to perish, somehow God dealt with this man and got through to him. And let me just stop right there for a minute and say this. It makes no difference who the individual is, how far out in sin they may be. There's not a person in this world that's too far gone that God can't touch them and deal with them and bring them in before it's everlasting too late. God knows the right one to send across their path to speak a word and to plant a seed. It may take some time for that thing to germinate and to come forth, but God knows what to do to get our attention, to shake us to a sense of duty and to make it right with God before it's everlasting too late. Okay, Genesis 12, verse 1 now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, Abraham was a rich man. If you'll go over to the 13th chapter in verse 2, you'll see that. Abraham was rich in cattle, silver, gold. He had flocks and herds. 
uh, as you look on through the book of Genesis in the 14th chapter, uh, verse 14, you'll see where Abraham had 318 trained servants. 318 trained servants. So not only were these men trained in whatever task it was they were to perform, but they could also fight if called upon uh, to do so. Um, These 318 men, no doubt, were married. They had wives. They had children. So when God called Abraham and said, Get out of your country, when he left, there could have been as many as a thousand people that followed with him. He had all these servants that were with him. He was responsible for these people. And um, another thing I want you to look at as well, Abraham was 75 years old. You can see that in Genesis 12, verse 4. He was 75 years old. When he departed. And I want you to think of that for just a minute. To leave your family and friends. People you have always known. To leave your business. To leave the comforts and the protection of the city life. To set out to go only God knows where. To live in a tent and be responsible for all these people and to do it, that speaks volumes. Do you follow me? That speaks volumes of this man's faith. Paul said, Romans 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know, he didn't have a GPS. He had no map. Just up and take, take what you got and leave. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. But wait a minute. It was more than just a belief in the fact that there is a God. It went deeper than that. Genesis chapter 12 again. Move down, if you will, to verse 7. Genesis 12, verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham. How he done it, I don't know. But Abraham, from what I can see here, saw the Lord. Matter of fact, Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and and was glad and rejoiced in it. So Abraham saw the Lord. So his faith was more than just believing that there is a God. So let's see exactly what it was. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. There's your key right there. We're going to deal with that in just a minute. Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord. Look at that. 
who appeared unto him, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east, Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. Look at that next phrase again. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. You don't build an altar unless you're going to offer up a sacrifice. So whoever it was that witnessed to Abraham shared with him the way in which you can have relationship with God. It all started back there with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God killed those animals, made coats of skins, covered Adam and Eve, and in that he instituted the Old Testament sacrificial system. This is the way that you can have your sins covered and have relationship with God. It's through and by the sacrifice. We see Cain and Abel coming. Abel brings a lamb, offers it up. God accepts it. Cain brings a, uh, the fruit of his, of his own hands, the fruit of the ground. And uh, God wouldn't accept that. And it goes right on down the line. Noah, right after the flood, we see him offering up a sacrifice to the Lord. It continues right on down the line. Now we see Abraham doing the same thing. The only way to have relationship with God is through and by the sacrifice, which points to Jesus Christ. Now... Paul said, Romans 4 and verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? The answer to that is nothing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God promised Abraham seed. Promised him a son. We just read it. Genesis 12 verse 7. Unto thy seed will I give this land. If you will go to Genesis 15. Verse 3. Genesis 15 and 3. And Abram said. Behold to me thou hast given no seed. This is sometime later. After God initially spoke to Abraham, him and Sarah has tried to have a child and it just just ain't happening. And Abraham don't understand why it's happening. So he goes before the Lord and said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. In other words, there was a, a child that was born to one of the servants. And back in those days, if your servant had a child, it was considered to be yours, your, your son. And that's what Abraham is asking God. And God said, verse 4, Genesis 15, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord. Look at that. And the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. So what have we found 
As Paul put it, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? Nothing. And I'm going to tell you why. Abraham and Sarah tried for years to have a child. Sarah was barren. She was not able to have any children. Her biological time clock was running out. And back in those days, it was a common practice that if your wife could not bear children, bring forth children, to take a surrogate and use another woman to bring forth children. That was an acceptable practice in the eyes of men, but not in the eyes of God. God didn't tell them to do that. So they concocted a scheme, and Sarah brought forth her handmaid, Hagar, the Egyptian, and said, we'll have children through her. And Abraham went in unto her, and Ishmael was born. And we're still paying for that mistake today. The whole world of Islam is a result of that union between Abraham and Hagar. See, the Muslims traced back through Ishmael. We trace back through Isaac. The Bible says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So there's your difference. But at any rate, going in under Hagar was a big mistake, and we're still paying for that. But years later, in the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis, God told Abraham that Sarah would conceive and bring forth a son. By this time, he was almost a 100 years old, and Sarah was around 90 years of age. If a child was to be brought forth now at this particular time, it would have to be God that stepped in and done something, which he did. God miraculously stepped in and restored unto them according to the time of life, Sarah conceived and brought forth the son and called his name Isaac. God miraculously intervened and did for them what they were not able to do. Abraham won't able. Sarah it was way beyond her childbearing years. God stepped in and done it. But they had to be brought to the place. Abraham and Sarah had to be brought to the place to realize that they could not do it. All hopes of the flesh was gone. That is the exact same place that God has to bring us to. What God requires to be done cannot be done in the flesh. You can fast till you can slide under that door back there. But it's not going to do you any good as far as trying to obtain righteousness with God the best that we can do in the flesh, in the eyes of God, it's filthy rags. What God requires, only God can do it. But flesh tries. Even after we're saved, we run up against things, problems in our lives. We try to live right. We try to do it in the flesh. 
the flesh cannot do what needs to be done. It has to be done by faith. We don't get there quickly. We don't get there easily. Abraham was a hundred years old before he finally got there. How old are we going to have to get before we get there? Will we get there? Hmm. Romans 4, verse 18, if you will, pull that up. Let's take a look at what Paul said here. We'll close it out. Romans 4, verse 18. Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith. Take a look at that. Underline it. Highlight it. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. He did not look at his circumstances. As a child of God, you cannot look at circumstances. You cannot look at your current situation and try to make a decision on that. You have to look beyond that through the eye of faith and trust God. Do you follow me? That's what it says right here that Abraham did. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's a double whammy. Not only was he not able to do anything, she won't either. So it was an absolute trust and faith in God. God, you want this done, you're going to have to do it. He staggered not, verse 20, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. There you go. What God requires of us, only God can do. What is our part? Simply believe Him for it. Don't look at circumstances. Don't look at that problem in your life and get discouraged. Look beyond that thing. Look beyond that sin that keeps coming back, that temptation that keeps reoccurring. Look beyond that thing through the eye of faith and trust God and you will get victory over that thing. And therefore, verse 22, Romans 4, verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Like I said, Abraham was a hundred. Sarah was ninety. There was no way that either of them could do anything to bring forth what God required. It is the same with us presently. In the flesh, there's no way that we can produce that which will be satisfactory to God. And you know what? We don't have to. 
because Jesus Christ has already done it for us. I remember the day coming home from work. I was going to school at that time to get my credentials in order to preach. But I had a problem with cigarettes. I was smoking right at two packs a day. And I knew those things had to go. Nobody didn't have to tell me. I just knew. The Lord had already done a work in my life. But that one thing right there, boy, it was... It, it had its grip on me. It, that, that was the vice. And I remember going home that day. The cigarettes were laying there on the dash of the truck. And I said, Lord, if I'm going to be set free from them things, it's going to be all of you and none of me. Because I had tried everything in the world to quit. The will was present, but how to perform that... <laughs> Spirit was willing, the flesh was weak. But when I finally come to that place and I said, Lord, it's all of you and none of me. The Lord started working things right then at that point in time. I got up the next morning, my head was so stopped up, throat hurting, couldn't hardly breathe. Got in the truck going to work, tried to fire up a cigarette. I couldn't stand, I couldn't breathe. I mean, it was just so stifling. So, I mean, so I went for about a day or two there. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't, anything strong like that, I mean, it was hard to breathe anyway. And, uh, and like I said, this went on for several days. And then finally, when the cold run its course, I didn't have that desire to smoke anymore. God had taken that thing away from me. And I, I've not touched another one from then until now. So I thank God for that. But... It all happened when I come to the place and said, Lord, if I'm going to be set free from this thing, it's all of you and none of me. That was the place that Abraham and Sarah had to come to. If we're going to have this child, God's going to have to do something because I sure ain't able to have no hands. <laughs> Matter of fact, Sarah laughed when the Lord told them that. But uh, at any rate, we're going to stop right there for tonight. the program today has been a blessing to you we hope and pray that you'll share it with others this podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry go to establishedinthefaith.com click on the donate tab all donations are safe and secure through paypal we look forward to hearing from you